the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm going to talk a little bit about Revenge of the Nerds in just a minute. The movie and the greatest nerd in American financial history. But we're going to wait for that uno momentero. Yesterday, two of the markets went higher the NASDAQ and the S&P 500. The Dow, the 10-year treasury, Bitcoin all went lower. Bitcoin was sitting around 33,000. There's new meme stock in town called Clover Health, up 86%. Today, it'll be Wendy's. Do you have the cojones to jump in, surf that wave for maybe 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes and get out? I don't know. Bitcoin continued to tumble, bumble, and fall to a three-week low. Not an all-time low, but a three-week low. Job openings in the United States hit their highest level on record. Layoffs hit a record low. That's good. That's good for the economy. Good for the economy is bad for high interest rates. Should warm up the interest rates to fight inflation. But it should be a slow burn or slow warm. Joe Biden called off infrastructure negotiations with the GOP Senator Shelley Caputo. Because they were hitting a brick wall, now he'll try to nail down a deal with another group of Republican lawmakers. The FBI started – I don't know how you say this, but we started learning some of the dirty details about how they're going after smuggling and money laundering operations. Talking about stuffing cocaine into pineapples and cans of tuna. But what we've learned is the FBI has set up an app – that they've used to get 800 plus arrests internationally and criminals are that stupid the app says something like this is not an fbi app trust us this is not an fbi app this is secure messaging fascinating right who knew our fbi was crafty trying to set up a a fake encrypted communication system so taking down direct messaging that criminals thought were private It really tells you, if you're a criminal, you should consider buying an Apple phone because Apple's pushing privacy. I know. I know. That's not funny, Rob. I'm I'm just saying. Um, Billionaires don't pay a lot of taxes. Are you shocked? Um, I think we're trying to publicly shame billionaires. And some of them will come clean and say, that's right. Um, You know, Warren Buffett is one of them. He says, you know, what I pay on my homes is a fraction compared to what my secretary does because I bought mine 60 years ago. I live in states that are more tax friendly. He's right. 
Now, Warren Buffett paid the lowest rate. Jeff Bezos paid less than 1%. Michael Bloomberg paid 1.3%. Elon Musk, on his income, paid 3.2%. Now, I actually said that wrong. Elon Musk didn't pay 3.2% on his income. He paid 3.2% total. His stock and his property kind of were dodgy on taxes. My stocks and my property are dodgy on taxes as well. My property taxes, nope. But my capital gains, yes. As soon as I hit that 500000 mark in capital appreciation on a home, some people sell so that they can dodge those, you know, the next level of capital gains. They move that money into somewhere else. The revelations that three of the richest people in America paid almost nothing percentage-wise, should it reform our tax code? Yes. Will it? I don't know. The statistic inside that data was that the 25 richest people between 2014 and 2018 paid $13.6 billion in income taxes, a span of time where their wealth increased by over $400 plus billion, which boils their true tax rate down to 3.4%. And that sounds like I'm pissed off. If you look at it another way, with the growing bank account, for every $100 gain, Jeff Bezos paid $1.09, whereas the typical U.S. household paid $160. Um, it's pretty rough to be poor. It's pretty rough not to go after the best tax deductions. I use a certified public accountant to do my taxes. I spend money on it because he's able to tell me and guide me, okay, Rob, uh, you're no longer getting the maximum tax deduction for your interest on your home. You should pay that down. I'm like, but it's only a 3% mortgage. He's like, you should pay it down. I'm like, okay. Oh, what else do you want to talk about today? If your morning routine is all about listening to Spotify, reading the New York Times, browsing Amazon. Things have changed, right? Huge. Times have changed. Content delivery networks. Um, yesterday, we saw a lot of content delivery networks taken down um, by Fastly. And a lot of people are like, what is Fastly? And so what we're learning is we're still pretty susceptible we, we count on our morning routines to be there for us. And yesterday morning at this time, the internet was off for a large portion of America. If the internet were a play, Fastly would be one of the members of its stage crew. It helps keep websites running by facilitating page and file reloading. I noticed that yesterday. I'm like, is my internet broken again? I talked to my morning producer at this time. I'm like, I may need to reboot. You may need to go to commercials. It almost interrupted my business day. And every day my child says, before I go to work, he goes, go make money, dad. I almost wasn't able to make money because the internet went down. And what that tells me, I'll be honest with you, we're a developing country. Our internet is not where it should be. 
one hour offline in the office could translate into millions of dollars in advertising revenue and e-commerce losses. Um, we saw that with the Colonial Pipeline hack. We're like, how can a pipeline which carries gasoline and energy products get hacked? And then like, well, Spotify just got went down. New York Times went down. Alexa went down. Hulu, BBC, HBO Max, CNN, all down yesterday on websites. You know what I see in that story? I see something magical. It's time to continue to invest in network equipment. We're not where we need to be. Just throwing that out at you. Um, Kanye West, 44th birthday party. And the summer go hand in hand. Gap unveiled Yeezy uh, puffer jacket, which was pretty cool. Retails for $200. Sold out immediately. No buttons, no zippers. Can't figure out why you would own it because he can't be closed. But that man can sell. Um, and for Gap, Gap is boring. He's in year one or two of his relationship with Gap for 10 years. That was a genius marketing partnership. Gap and Yeezy? Is Gap not the most boring apparel retailer on the planet? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. So there's, I get a lot of questions, so I I do my very best to try to stay on top of it for you. There's an app or maybe a website called Klarna, K-L-A-R-N-A. It's got a valuation of about $40 billion as a company, and what they do is they float you money so that you can go on vacation, instant gratification, COVID-19, low regulations. Um whether it be fashion or vacation, they're willing to say, buy now, pay later. And that's a very expensive way to live. I would not do it. It will get you into trouble. I know you feel that you deserve it. Um, I don't really know what any of this means when I turn on CNN or CNBC or MSNBC or Fox or any of them when they say hot vac summer is some sort of reference to hot girl summer or hot summer girls last year. Cardi B. I'm not into the hip hop music. I don't get the direct comparison, but something's going on there. So hot back summer is not a time for you to go get tattoos and go on vacation and pay for it later. I cannot reward that. Just saying. Um, quick fun fact for you. In the summer of 1984, nerds were perceived as those with pocket protectors. They had tape on their glasses. They laughed like this. <laughs> there was a movie called Revenge of the Nerds that had Anthony Edwards, Robert Carradine, Curtis Armstrong, James Cromwell, Larry Scott, John Goodman. It was the geeks versus the nerds. Alpha, beta, fraternity bullies at Adams College for... Uh, was it Arizona State or Arizona? It was one of the two. Oh, University of Arizona. That objected. They didn't want 
the whole Greek lifestyle filmed on their campus. It turned out to be the 16th highest grossest film of 1984, pulling in over $40 million. Revenge of the Nerds. It was kind of an underdog comedy. There was a scene where the cheerleader kind of got mad at her quarterback boyfriend and went with a nerd and made love sweet love. And as a young boy, I was like, sweet. I'm good with that because I saw myself as more of a nerd. Now we have a situation where there's a guy named Bill Gates who's getting a divorce and the details on his divorce are becoming more and more salacious by the day. I'm only bringing this up. Because what we thought versus what is real is very, very different. Perception versus reality. And I want you to think of Revenge of the Nerds, and I want you to think about it later today. Bill Gates would show up to work in the last 10, 15 years in a very conservative vehicle. And then one hour later, his security would bring him a very hot Porsche that he would drive off on couple hours and come back to work and go home in his very conservative vehicle. And people in the office were starting to figure it out. He's having an affair. Now, this is all alleged. But again, that's not the Bill Gates you thought, right? You're like, nerd, nerd. He says stupid things like, oh, yeah, I married my wife. I met her at work and at a time where you could do that. It's like, no, you can't. You should never exert power over someone who's your employee. But that's neither here nor there. Nerd! Nerd! Richest man on the planet. Nerd! So perception versus reality, right? He didn't think of him as a womanizer. And this whole time it appears that he allegedly is. So where does that go into you? Perception versus reality, right? Revenge of the Nerds was a true story. At the time, we saw the movie in 1984 as a, a fairy tale, as a fantasy. That never happens. But apparently it does. Maybe the word nerd should be replaced with one of the richest people in the world. (laughs) Because maybe the nerds still are the nerds of the world and they'll never get the cheerleader. But maybe the richest man in the world will. Um, Perception versus reality. You have a perception right now that you should be owning Bitcoin. The reality is you should be owning companies that earn a lot of money. You have a perception right now that you're going to be a great day trader. The reality is... Day traders take a lifetime to form. And I've never met one in 25 years in this industry that was worth a million dollars. And when I say that, let me be cautious on that. I've met professionals who buy and sell on a regular basis who are worth a million dollars. I found people who are worth a million dollars who tell you when to buy and sell. I've got a club. Join my club and I'll tell you when to buy and when to sell. I've got a computer program. I'll tell you when to buy and when to sell. I've never met an individual. I know, by the way, that that second category that I just labeled there, people have clubs, people have software. They're not worth a million dollars because of their clubs and their software or their their smart picks on their clubs. They're they're, they're wealthy because they got you to believe that they can do this. I would be very, very cautious. Perception versus reality. The distance between the two is what hurts the most in life. And I've got a friend, and I read a beautiful email yesterday. Sarah, 40 years old. I dated her 20 years ago. And she had the sweetest heart, but she wasn't the smartest. And that's okay. I was the smartest, and I didn't have the sweetest heart. 
it was a nice fit. It was a nice break. Now she's got a child who's 16 years old, 17 years old, and she's starting to become a day trader because she sold a home. She's going to lose it all because she sees the returns of 85% yesterday on Clover Health. And she goes, I want a piece of that. I want one day instant gratification until it doesn't work. Perception versus reality. I would be very, very cautious with that. Um, Here's one. Inflation I want to talk about for just a moment. Chipotle raised its menu prices by about 4% yesterday to cover the cost of higher wages for employees. Now, we all want everyone to have a a, a livable wage. We do. We, I, I think our wage system in America is messed up. $15 an hour in San Francisco is not very much money. $15 an hour in Des Moines, Iowa is a lot of money. When the difference is $3,000 for a one-bedroom apartment versus $300 to $800 to rent a one-bedroom apartment, that's a pretty big difference. Perception versus reality. We may think we're onto something good, but the reality is it's it's more stressful. Chipotle is offering a $200 employee referral bonus. They said that employees can be promoted to general manager position with an average compensation of about $100,000 a year. You can start by, uh, by serving rice and bean burritos. Give me more rice, please. I know you can do it. Give me more rice. And in three and a half years, you can be making, instead of minimum wage, $100,000 thousand dollars a year wow but you and me who want lunch day at chipotle we're gonna be paying three to four percent more as they're having labor problems at what point do i go you know what i can make this rice and cheese burrito at home or i could go to the taqueria and get something that tastes a little bit better for the same price or less you can find me online at rob black show twitter rob black show youtube rob black show i have a new website robblackshow.com find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to rob black's twitter his handle is at rob black show listen to rob black and your money weekday mornings 7 to 9 on am 1220 kdow if you know one thing about me you know that i like talking stock markets i'm not very good at talking sports women anything else in the world so i like talking stock markets let's bring in patrick o'hare from briefing.com Let's talk stock markets. We've been doing this for 20 plus years. Patrick, how are you today? Uh, feeling older, Rob. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. It's been a pleasure of a lifetime to get to know you. And I just told another market strategist, I'm cheating on you, that I was talking to yesterday. I said, I've known Patrick for 20 plus years. And I gave him an example of what you do. And he thought that was fantastic. And uh, I said, I've never met him. I said, before I retire, I plan to fly to Chicago and bring you a, a bottle of champagne. But We'll see if I live up to that because <laughs> I'm not retired yet. Right. Well, maybe I'd rather come uh, your way, I think, in the wintertime. So <laughs> we'll, we'll work something out. <laughs> Chicago versus the Bay Area. Um, you start off today with a beautiful quote at briefing.com, page one. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. The S&P 500 trying to push to an all-time high. What do we need to know? Well, uh, it, it, it's, it's been peculiar, uh, was another okay. word that I, I used in, in the page one column this morning. Um, you know, there's, there's 
reason to think that the market should be able to break out. Um, and, and the primary reason is what we're seeing take place in the treasury market. And you're seeing a, a noticeable drop in long-term interest rates. Um, and that combined with the fact that earnings estimates continue to increase. So you've actually seen some multiple compression, uh, which in the past, um, you know, when you have low interest rates and interest rates that are going down and a market multiple that uh, is is less demanding uh, than it was in a prior occasion. There is often a you know willingness to keep buying into into the stock market. Um, I think some of the reason why we're sort of just stalled around here right now, though, um, is uh, an understanding that you I guess some of these uh, sentiment readings, investor sentiment readings, are getting a little bit overheated again, and there might be a little bit near term concern about you know, about a pullback that could, could happen as a result of that. Um, and uh, and then you've just gotten so much uh, trading energy in the mean stock area uh, and a lot of just tremendous amount of volume going to those stocks and, and crazy levels. Uh, and it's just kind of just taking away, or I guess, if you will, or distracting from what's going on or what could go on at the index level because, uh Whatever traders are participating in, they're finding excitement in, in more of the smaller microcap stocks uh, in terms of return potential right now and just kind of like letting the larger blue chip shares um, stand to the side for the time being. So markets hitting all-time highs. I think we'll eventually get there is my expectation because if I've said that in the last 20 years, I've always been right. Um, I'm just smart enough not to say it'll be today or tomorrow. Um, so but now we turn to other areas that can get us there other than, you know, uh, technicals or momentum. How about the White House? Um, I, I'm not paying a lot of attention to politics right now because I'm a little burned out. I'm trying to refresh during the summer um, before we get back into election season next year. What's happening with the Biden administration and maybe the Biden agenda? And can we count on more stimulus, whether it's longer term type? like infrastructure bills or maybe the shorter term type, like more cash in our pockets. Um, Republicans, Democrats, where where do you think we stand on politics right now and in, in investments? Well, uh, you know, I think the market does continue to anticipate that there will be uh, a stimulus of some kind uh, surrounding infrastructure, uh, right? Um, and uh, and the consensus view is, is that it will be achieved through the you know budget reconciliation process because um, it certainly sounds like you know Republicans and Democrats in the White House still you know can't get on the same page in terms of not only the amount of what that uh, stimulus plan should be but but how to pay for it. Um, now the the wrinkle in this um, is that it sounds as if there's some more. Um, uh, moderate Democrats who who may not be on board uh, necessarily with the pay fors and and the dollar amount as well. So uh, so maybe reconciliation is not a slam dunk. And you know one of the narratives that's emerging right now is the uh, in terms of what's going on in the Treasury market is the notion that perhaps uh, you know the infrastructure stimulus plan doesn't come through in any big way if it comes through at all. And therefore, you know, there's a little bit less concern now about the economy getting overstimulated and inviting higher inflation. So uh, 
in response to that, you're seeing, you know, treasury yield long-term rates come down noticeably uh, in, in recent weeks. And, uh, and you're starting to hear, you know, more and more of the emergence of the kind of like the peak, peak growth narrative here. Um, so there's just, there's a lot of different just, you know, uh, rational arguments around why, you know, stocks, bonds, commodities, whatever should be doing what they're doing. And you can make a rational argument on either side, whether it's bullish or bearish. And I think in the grand scheme, that kind of creates, you know, more lends to this swirling action we've been seeing going on in the market where you've got, you know, growth leading one day, value leading the next, tech leading one day, uh, some counter cyclical sector leading the next. It's just, you know, a lot of confusion, if you will, and uh, very much a wait and see attitude as we lead up into the uh, second quarter earnings reporting season. Now, I saw something in the second quarter earnings for the first time in your article this morning, page one, you said Chipotle is raising its menu prices by about 4% to offset higher wage costs, which I'm not saying Chipotle is every company, but um, there's a lot of companies that are having to pay employees more money to come back to work, to bring friends to work, to staff labor shortages inside their businesses. And I'm like, are wage, f-? And, and Chipotle was honest. They said, we have to pay more for employees, so we're gonna pay, you're gonna pay more for food. Um, it's inflation for me, that's a negative, but it's also for a company, it's wage inflation. Do you think that's going to play out in the next round of earnings for a lot of companies, some companies, not very many companies or not big of a story right now? It is the great question, uh, Rob. I mean, it's, uh, you know, certainly, you know, you know, the services industries where you've seen a lot of pent up demand getting, you know, uh, uh, addressed these days. Um, you know, you see it in the ISM surveys, just in terms of uh, discussions about how you're having difficulty finding workers and needing to pay more workers. So there, there you have it on kind of like the manufacturing side of the economy as well. And so I think that that is, you know, when I talk about sort of, you know, the market kind of in this wait and see mode in front of the second quarter earnings reporting period, I do think that there is a lot of uh, desire to to hear whether, you know, more and more companies are facing margin pressures, you know, or how are they going to offset those margin pressures? Are they going to, like Sherwin-Williams, raise prices, uh, you know, pretty pretty substantially? Um, or are they going to eat that and, and suffer the margin uh, pressure as a result? Um, it, it, it's indeterminate right now, but anecdotally, you, you are certainly, you know, hearing across a multitude of industries uh, you know, companies say that, you know, they're, they're needing to, you know, raise their wages to attract to attract workers. And at the same time, they're all uh, dealing with, you know, higher, higher costs of, of goods. And, um, and, and it's going to be a very interesting, you know, dynamic that unfolds uh, here. And, 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 you know, I would argue that right now uh, there is there is concern that, you know, the second quarter is, is certainly going to be the peak for, for earnings growth. Um, it's not to say that the out quarters couldn't still be strong. It's just that, you know, you're not going to see it nearly as strong as you're going to see in the second quarter where consensus estimates right now put S&P 500 earnings up about 62%, I believe, year over year, which is just, you know, extraordinary. So, so going into a little bit deeper dive, um, do we start looking at the Federal Reserve at this point in time with the wage inflation, with the consumer inflation? So it's it's on the producer level, the wages. It's on the consumer level, um, cost of food. 
would you change your portfolio strategy because of this early information? Or is it, again, again, it's the $64,000 question. Is it just a summertime phenomenon or not? Mm. Yeah, we got about two yeah. minutes, so take it for wherever you can. Yeah. Well, the, the, you said it. It's a $64,000 question. I mean, the uh, you know what the Fed is, seems to be geared toward is, is the employment side of its mandate right now. It's, it's willing to let inflation run hot, but it doesn't seem like it's you know willing to to move too far afield from its current policy stance uh, unless it sees you know stronger signs of, of um, employment engagement and uh, and the wage growth that you know that wage inflation that could accompany that. Um, you know the main employment report showed average hourly earnings were up you know two percent year over year. Right, that's that's. That's pretty modest, all things considered. And um, um, and, and the mark, you know, the Fed has said they're not going to work off of forecasts. They're going to work off of the actual data. So the risk is that the Fed, you know, gets behind the curve, and all of a sudden you get, you know, pretty strong wage inflation and higher rates of consumer inflation in aggregate, and then they have to be way more aggressive than the market would like them to be in terms of trying to tame that inflation. So. Um, so it's something that, yeah, you certainly probably could prepare for now in terms of um, uh, thinking that you're going to see, you know, higher rates of inflation that we certainly saw prior to the pandemic. But, you know, just how high it remains to be seen. And so, you know, again, you kind of need this balanced portfolio approach where you have growth and value working for you at the same time and what is still a relatively low interest rate environment. As always, thank you for joining us. Sorry, we don't have more time today. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. It's a reliable source of domestic and international economic news that you can use. I use it every day. You just heard me run through some of the headlines, and it is page one. He also does a big piece at the end of the week, the big picture. There's many writers at the website. There's breaking news. There's technical analysis. There's story stocks. There's IPOs. It's a good website. Briefing.com. I'm Rob Black. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. This was the first single from Arcade Fire's fifth studio album. They're fun to study because they're an independent band who didn't sign with a label. Their first album funded equipment for the second album. The second album funded equipment for the third album. Third album funded equipment for the fourth album of studio. Got a really cool sound in my mind, but song Everything Now. It's kind of beautiful to me. Every inch of the sky has got a star. Is that a great line when you look up tonight and you're trying to be romantic, whether it be your 16-year-old girlfriend or your 25-year-old fiance or your... 40-year-old wife. You can look up in the sky and say, every inch of the sky's got a star. Every inch of my skin has a scar. Every inch of space in your head is filled up with the things that you have read. I love that. Everything I've ever learned, I've, I've learned in a book. Joseph Campbell, that's his quote, not mine. I've learned how to love. I've learned how to be passionate. I've learned how to be angry. I've learned a lot of my morals. Not from my parents, but from reading. And then the song takes a dark turn on stop pretending you've got it. I need it. I want it. I can't live without it. I can't live without it. And it turns into every town's got a road. Every, you know, every car, every road has a car. And it just turns into materialism in our life. 
we could start with stars and be beautiful, but we will end in we will end in materialism. I'm not a materialistic guy. If you see the way I live, it's pretty humble. I don't have kids who are filthy dirty. They're not pig like. Um, but they're not rambunctious either. Yes, they have a, a Sony PlayStation 5 and an Xbox Series X because I'm the dad who pre-ordered it. And I'm the dad who went out of their way to go know that the pandemic was going to suck and that they're going to be locked up and they were going to be hanging with friends. So I got them some next generation consoles as part of their time to kill. I play with them. I don't let them play by themselves. I, I watch R-rated movies with them. I don't let them watch it by themselves. I'm not telling you I'm a great dad or anything like that, but I do do that well. So um, Johnson Johnson's out today and they said something that does not surprise me. Johnson Johnson CEO says people will need COVID vaccine with annual flu shot for the next several years as the variants start to spread. So be ready for this. Booster shots are on their way. Psychologically, one jab with Johnson Johnson, you're not done. Two jobs with Pfizer, Moderna, you're not done. The herd immunity is not going to get there. We're not going to get to 70% by July 4th. I'm angry at all of you because President Joe Biden arranged for us to get a $5 Budweiser if 70% of Americans were were vaccinated. We we lowered our standards to the 12-year-olds. We could have done it without it. We could have treated it like a true war. We could have celebrated Memorial Day and say, my mom uh, stayed at home. My dad went to war to protect this country. We once rose to the occasion. Now we're like, nah, I don't want to get jab. I'll let everyone else do it. Um, Johnson Johnson CEO is out there today saying, well, because we didn't get it, we're all going to get the flu shot next year and next several years are going to include COVID variants in it. Now, on the one hand, I go, this sounds like a conspiracy theory. On the other hand, I'm like, I don't see polio or mumps or chicken pox rapidly spread around the country, around the world anymore. Because we did get vaccinated. You flash back 40, 50, 60 years ago, and these were diseases that ravaged our, our planet. I don't care if the disease came from a, a Wuhan lab in China. I don't care. I don't care if it came from a bat who bit Dracula, who bit a Wuhan employee. I don't care. All I can tell you is a <laughs> Batman. That's funny. Um, when a producer can make you laugh and kind of break your seriousness, it's funny. Um, what I do care about is it could have impact our economy. We don't want to shut down again. You don't want to. I don't want to. Republicans don't want to. Democrats don't want to. Users of Uber, Lyft, and Airbnb are seeing dramatic price increases. Chipotle is saying they're raising prices by 4% to help offset higher wage costs. Sherwin-Williams raised its second and full year sales guidance last night but saying that it's going to be implementing price increases across all segments, including a 7% August 1 price increase. Those are inflationary stories. Sometimes we're okay if it's the manufacturer who eats the higher cost of lumber, but we, the consumer, when we want to build a house, we're like, I'm not paying for that. So China's PPI for May was up 9% year over year. That's the producer price index. That's the largest increase in 13 years. That's too freaking fracking high. That blows my mind. The consumer price was up 1.3%. So there's a big difference between the consumer price and the producer price inflation. 
And in the end, you can't expect you can't expect companies and producers to eat it. They're not in the business of not making money. So inflation's the boogeyman, but not all inflation is bad. I'm okay with some inflation. It's again, it's just it's the price of goods and services that increase over time. When inflation's on the rise, it's not always as bad as it sounds. One way the government controls it is by adjusting interest rates with the Federal Reserve. Usually inflation and interest rates have an inverse relationship, i.e. a teeter-totter, where when inflation is going up, interest rates are going down. And when inflation goes up, we start rising, raising interest rates so that inflation starts going down. Even before the pandemic had hit, we saw home price inflation. We saw stock market inflation. We've seen it. There's been a lot of tech innovation, which keeps productivity high, which fights inflation, but we don't always get that tech productivity. And I could say productivity, but in my mind, it's been a lot of technology increases. Like we used to write letters that took 10 minutes straight. Now we write emails that take one minute. That's productivity. Anyhow, and anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for me this hour. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Later today on YouTube, I'm going to be posting a 25-minute interview that I did with a market strategist. Where is it on YouTube? It's at Rob Black Show. Rob Black Show. Check out the YouTube video where I'm interviewing a market strategist. And check out my website, Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show. It's all at Rob Black Show, even on Facebook. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial.